0: You have reached Minions and Musings. Please hold. Your call is important to us. Back with
1: another one of those block beats!
0: Volume 3 of the Call-In Collective 5, Return of the Nerds. RPG Variety Cast. Yes, Evil Jeff back behind the mic once again been blazing a trail this weekend, putting out a whole bunch of content, because it's been sitting around. (laughs) And yeah, I think Jason, well, actually, Jason had already been calling in, and then I made a comment that, you know, Daniel, you know, had called in enough and got his own little call-in show. And apparently Jason took a slight umbrage with that. And have left other calls so yes look forward to another calling collective that's going to be pretty much all Jason all the time kind of like Dave TV from the old MTV days right remember that with Van Halen Oh yeah can you imagine Jason with long hair like that <laughs> ah I digress. But it's rather fun to do so. Anyway, let's get into these calls that Jason had left us. They are on the Deep Dive Part 7 Treasures. And anybody else that's listening to the calling collectives that have listened to Deep Dives and everything, don't let Jason be the only one calling in. You've got opinions too. Apparently Jason kind of forgot about monsters and skipped right over it or something. Or maybe there wasn't enough in there really to go after. Maybe that tells me something. Anyway, Jason had enough comments on Part 7, Treasure, to warrant putting this together and leaving it as is, or in the hole or in Toto, or however you want to think about it. Because right now I am tired, and for whatever reason my knee hurts. And it's distracting me from thinking things. And every time that the dog moves around, he bumps into my knee, making me get ready to say all sorts of nasty words to him. And he could care less because he's like, I'm sleeping over here. All right, enough of about my life. Let's hear about Jason's life.
1: Hey, Evil Jeff, there'll be more calls, but reference your latest episode When you talk about the treasure breakdown... The percentage breakdown... And you're talking about how the rules... Cyclopedia changed it from the original game... I don't know that that's really fair... Um, Wow... The place I was going to is closed... They're doing construction there... And I did not know that... That's unfortunate... Um, Yeah... That's really unfortunate... Okay... Anyway... The... um, I don't know that that's really fair... Because... Let's be honest... Beck Me is a different game than BX. They're, you know, Beck Me is the next iteration of that, but that's like saying, at that point you need to do a Beck Me versus BX comparison. That's like, you know, saying third edition D&D changed tables from second edition D&D, but they're totally different games, so I don't think it's a fair comparison.
0: Uh, sorry to hear that place was closed there, Jason. I know that was rather distracting for you. As for Beckme being different from BX, it is not that different. You've gone through the character section with me, with the high-level stuff, and I talked about that. And there's comparisons in there. Uh, a lot of it is the, you know, a lot of it's the same. It's just added more features, maybe to the characters. Spells are pretty much the same along the lines. I cannot sit there and say it is really that different of a game. Now, you want to get into a comparison like that? I mean, that's cool. I think we've already been doing that through the deep dive so far. And Beckme has changed a couple things drastically. But it's not until you get way up in some of the higher level stuff or you look at the Thief itself. And see exactly what's changed in there. So, I I think it's still a valid comparison. But I guess this will be a point where we can agree to disagree on that. Um, But, you know, I mean, when you look at the tables themselves, you know, the percentages and everything, I think it was very, you know, striking to see the differences there, you know, the differences in them, you know, how much more you could get of one thing than another. How we reduce some other ones. You know. the The scrolls that we'll talk about later on was also one that I was rather curious as to why they changed it that much. You know. I mean, they just want to put their own stamp on it? I mean, maybe. I'd have to do some digging into things, but what other games were coming out during that time frame? Now remember, this is that whole rule set, basic expert, companion master, immortal, so they already had a unified mechanic at that point between all of them, just adding on to it, so yeah, in the basic, you know, I'd have to kind of compare each one in there, but, you know, it's not that hard to do. So, you know, dig into it a little bit. But I'd like to know what other games were out at that point. See if anything else might have sparked them to change things up a little bit. That'd be an interesting rabbit hole to travel down. All right, let's address the next thing you want to tell me.
1: At the very beginning of this episode, you talked about how not a lot of the additions broke down the idea that you only get the XP value of what you sell a gem for as opposed to what it's worth. But I'm a big fan of that. If you have a five thousand dollar or five thousand dollar, five five thousand gold piece emerald and you only sell it for two thousand gold pieces, then I personally think you should only get two thousand gold pieces. Or two thousand XP for it, or you know whatever the, wh- whatever you're doing in your system, if you're doing a percentage of that, um, because that you have the option of holding on to that gem until not just you get back to that little town outside the dungeon, but you have but holding on to it until you get back to the big city where you can sell it, you know, for more money. Or if if your characters can sell it for more than what it's worth through some way, you should get that at XP.
0: Yeah, I think that's a. Fair point. Yeah, I mean, I, I, we're in agreement there. Nothing different. Though, something you just said sparked an idea that I wrote down and in a future musing, probably a very quick one, I'll throw that out there and see what happens. It's uh, That was an interesting thought I just had. But it's related to that whole thing about selling these gems and jewelry for the gold and getting the XP of whatever value of gold you got for it, not what it might have been worth. Let's put a twist on that later on. All right, next up is... Well, oh yeah, that's right, it's Jason. This
1: is all Jason, all the time. Although, I'll put a caveat to that. I, I think if if really good role playing's done every now and then, maybe if you sell that 5,000 gold piece, Emerald, for... 5,500 or 6,000, then you get 5,500 or 6,000 XP, maybe. I would not make it a regular thing, though. And especially if it's something like, oh, the wizard casts Charm Person, and then they get that extra XP, you know, that's not okay, right? So I'm not suggesting that. But I, I do think if for some reason you manage to get more than the value for it, maybe you should get that extra XP for it. I don't know. It's a tricky subject because it's something I can see players trying to abuse. Any thoughts on that? If we agree that you should get less if you sell it for less, are there situations you should get more if you sell it for more?
0: Yeah, if you sell it for more, you should get more XP. Yeah, that's a no-brainer. But now... Casting charm person or things like that. No, uh, I'm not going to. I'm not going to pull that one. I would say the maximum would be what the gem was worth. But you know that's. I just I don't like that 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 idea. You know, if I, I if it happens, it happens once. Now, what I might do is if. There, if you get more money for it, you know, the whole thing will get the whole party will get more XP overall. But maybe we say that character gains extra XP because they're the ones that did it. Now, that is kind of penalizing those players who may not be as charismatic and be able to do things like that in game. Um, I would have. We'd have to work on some mechanics and everything, which I guess morale sort of falls into that. Maybe I don't know. There's got to be something out there, but yeah, yeah. You know, if you get more cool, um, but we're not going to say you can get. You know, you get more gold by hook or crook. No, nah, I'm not going to play that game. Uh, keep it. Keep it above board, you know. Charm them, make them think it's worth more. Um, nah, I don't like that. You know, be pleasant, maybe do them a favor. And maybe that's the thing. Maybe they pay you more money if you do something else. I guess there's a whole bunch in there.
1: I think the last thing I'll comment on, reference this episode. Is the idea of unique magic items and how, and it's more interesting for a magic item to be unique as opposed to a common plus one or plus two sword. And I think this is a rules problem and a world building problem more than a treasure table problem per se. I think there should be ways that, well, I think, so it's baked into the rules, right? First of all, I agree, I think every magic item should be unique. And there shouldn't just be plus one swords out there. I think you want every sword to be interesting and unique and every item to be interesting and unique. So you have that plus one, plus three versus dwarves or whatever it is, right? The problem is, because of the rules, you make a need for a perforation of magic items. It's an arms race. So when you have creatures that can only be hit by magical weapons, you have to have magical weapons out there Mm -hmm because otherwise it's viewed as unfair to the players. Where I think if you had other ways to hurt these creatures, such as we have in in folklore and legend, this wouldn't be a problem. So maybe the rules need to change where creatures are only hit by plus two weapons or plus three weapons. That becomes, they can be hit by silver weapons or magic weapons, or they can be hit by You know, this is where we go back to the OD&D classification, and we have heroes and superheroes. So over fourth level, you can hit a creature that could be hit by lower class or, you know, magic weapons, kind of like the monk can hit creatures of higher levels. Well, you apply that idea for the monk, not that I like stripping abilities from other classes, but something like that where a high-level character can still hit one of these creatures. I realize at this point we talk about allowing ways to hit creatures only hit by magical weapons, by non-magical weapons, or by high-level high level characters. Now we're really messing with the rules, and once we do that, it can throw other things out of balance. But unless we have a way to hit these creatures, either you take away that ma- that defense mechanism for them, or you have a way for characters to hurt those creatures without magical weapons, then you're going to have this arms race where you have to have plus one daggers and plus two swords, all over the place for armies and for, you know, parties and for everybody to be able to fight these things. So I I think it's a world building problem more than anything. But I would love to see a game, and some games do this, but I would love for D and D game for every magic item be unique, and individualized. Okay, great episode. Talk to you next time. Yeah,
0: a lot to unpack there. And you're right. You start monkeying with the rules and you change the game itself. And as you've heard me say before, go find that other game that does what you want it to do. But let's take that into consideration. Maybe you want to keep a low number of magic items. Cool. What about these creatures that it's baked into rules that you have to have You know, magic to hit them? Uh maybe that's what the Bless spell is for against any infernal creature. It can allow it, you know, allow that weapon to actually harm them. Or we find something else that if we apply it or something, let's say, I don't know, shoot, what what, what do we want to say here? Um... I don't know. Maybe there is some sort of dust, or I don't know, you know, something like that. It is sprayed out, and the it touches the creature, which can temporarily diffuse its, ma- you know, magical resistance. No, that's not good. It's re- you know, it's resistance to normal weapon. It makes it vulnerable to that. You know maybe you have to hit it with some special liquid or something yeah i mean i guess we can make up enough rules for that to add that in but this would be where we got to have you know you'd have to have somebody know these things oh you know what i think we're going up against such and such we got to have this and there's some meta gaming that goes on there i mean you can put it in there I mean, it's not to say that you can't, but I think we have to really kind of rethink the world and come up with a plausible explanation of how you can still hit this creature that needs magic. Maybe it is having a magic user or a cleric or something that prays, meditates, does something, it puts out an aura that if the creature is within it, it makes it susceptible to that. That same idea is what I kinda think about with O D and D when you get those higher level characters, you know, it's their presence. They've been around so much. Uh, look at the Death Dealer books. You know, he puts on that helmet, that helmet in among itself is magical. And that imbues him with such a spirit that he becomes, you know, the boss. (laughs) I mean, he's just nigh indestructible. And there's nothing that can hold up against him. So maybe we do that. Maybe it's not a plus, you know, magical. It's if you wear certain equipment, you are able to do that. Uh yeah. You know, I mean, we can come up with enough rules to it that generates that. I would say for beings that are on other plane, you know, come from other planes, you know, some of these elementals, some of these gins and such like that, ifrits, that very very specific weapons could harm them unless it is magical. All right, well, good calls there. And that wraps up everything that Jason had to say on the deep dives. Uh, look forward to more Jason coming up in another call in collective. Uh, please do not be afraid to call in. I mean, Jason's not. What's holding you back? Have a great day. We'll see you soon and tune into your podcast and see what you got to say. And maybe even I'll call into your show. I mean, heck. I've been inspired and somehow called into Jason's show a lot recently. So, anything can happen. Stay safe out there. Be smart.
1: Thank you for calling Minions and Musings. We hope to hear from you again.